another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream and you can holler. Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, as is almost always the case anyway, from my personal mobile studio, my 2006 .5 Jetta Diesel TDI, as I make my commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, across 50 miles of Texas Highway, and spend my morning with my audience, who I consider to be my friends, and we discuss the things that are driving all of us to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, to take on the mantra of a modern survivalist philosophy, and uh, as I often have to say, because I know I have new listeners every day to this show, we talk about survivalism here, while I hold nothing against the person that runs away to the mountains in the middle of Montana, builds a little cabin in the woods that looks like a Unabomber shack, stocks up on Mountain House, owns a bunch of AR-15s and AK-47s, sits on ammunition and sits there and wants to be the hell away from everybody and hopes nobody ever bothers them, but is afraid somebody's going to come. If that's what makes you happy, go on about your life, and you can probably, if you can catch a internet signal out there, get a lot out of this show too, but that's not what we're talking about when we talk about survivalism and survival concepts. What we're talking about is the principles by which mostly our grandparents lived by that will save us pain because of what other people are doing or minimize the pain because of what other people are doing or will help us deal with situations that are nobody's fault but we may end up in, such as natural disasters, flu pandemics, etc. It also does mean that we're preparing in case we have to deal with a totalitarian government run amok, which, frankly, I think we already have. But it's not the way the media paints us. So what I thought would be cool today is I went through and I thought about what drives us. I looked at all of the discussions in our forum, all the comments on my blog last night. I went through older shows of mine, looked at my show notes, remembered what I talked about, and said, can I identify... Ten principles that drive people into this community that make them make these decisions, that fuel them to take action instead of do nothing, to become informed instead of remain ignorant. Can I find ten principles? And use that for a show discussion. And I found those ten principles. And I wanted them to be things that you generally don't directly think about or associate with survivalism or homesteading. And I think I've succeeded with that. So that's what we're going to do today. Now, I have some interesting house cleaning to do today. I have a bunch of stuff to do that's, you know, one, you can meet me, two, about the support brigade, and, and a bunch of other stuff. And a, a lady I want to recognize with the salute of the week from here in uh, Texas. But I'm going to save that till the end of the show because I think this is going to be a great show to share with people uh, that are maybe uninformed about what modern survivalism really is uh, that you would like to kind of uh, spread the word to. 
that may think that you're talking about running off into that little remote hole in the middle of Montana. And I think this will be a great way to reach them. So I'm going to save all the house cleaning till the end and go right into the show. So of these, I'm going to go through each principle and then kind of expand upon them. And I want you to ask yourself the following questions when I give you each principle and as I talk about it. One, do you feel this way in your heart? Do you feel this way in your heart? When I say it, does it ring true for you, even if you haven't quite thought about it that way before? Number two, is it possibly one of the things inside of you that's made you different from everybody else around you and made you feel like you wanted to do something about the situation that you're in or could end up in? Number three, can you hear your grandfather or if you're an older person, your father saying these things, maybe in a different format, but does it ring true to that generation? The people that lived to, you know, lived through prior to, during, and after the Great Depression, would they feel this way too? And I think it'll be an interesting show because of asking yourself those questions as I go. So here we go. Tenant one, or principle one, debt is a tool. It's a tool like a gun, and it does not belong in the hands of fools. Debt is a tool like a gun, and it does not belong in the hands of fools. And ask those three questions, and also ask yourself, how much of the pain we're in today was caused by fools using debt? And the reason I say it's like a gun is... Not only should you never put a gun in the hand of a fool, but all of us have times where we act a little silly, we act a little goofy, we're not so serious, we play. My coach back in high school used to say, you're acting a clown. Right? Everybody in their life at some point acts a clown. Hopefully once in a while, married folks, you do it with your spouse and you play with each other. Right? But you never freaking act like a clown or act like a fool, even if you're not, while you're holding a gun. When you're dealing with a gun, you're dealing with a weapon. You're dealing with a tool that's made to destroy things. And because of that, at any point in which you are dealing with that gun, or dealing with somebody next to you who's holding a gun, you have to be 100% serious. And if you're not, then bad things can and probably will happen. And how much better off would we be if everybody looked at debt that way? If people didn't make jokes and just say, oh, well, you know, if you don't owe somebody in this country, you don't, you don't, it doesn't matter. You're nobody. You know, I'll never pay this back. I hope my kids can pay off my house because I can't. People say things like that today. The problem with this philosophy is that people are under the impression that a debt is a suicidal weapon only. It can only hurt you. But that is not true, and we are seeing the ramifications of that principle right now as we watch our country go through this economic depression, even though they won't call it that. That's what it is. It's a depression. It is not a recession. We've been through recessions. We know what they look like. You're looking at a depression. Is it like the Great Depression? No, because society is different. But economically, it's just as bad, if not worse. And it was done by fools using debt. It's a toy instead of a weapon. It was used it was caused by fools who gambled with debt instead of invested with debt. It was used by fools who leveraged debt with debt and more debt. It was leveraged by fools who sprayed and prayed with debt. 
instead of taking aim at the target and making sure of what was behind it before they pulled the trigger. So again, the principle. Dead is a tool like a gun. It does not belong in the hands of fools, nor does it belong in the hands of a wise man who is currently acting like a fool. Can you tell me whether or not you believe that in your heart? Can you tell me whether or not that fundamental is somewhere inside you before I said it? And it's part of what drove you to where you are. And would your grandfather say the same thing? The next principle. When something's broken, you might not be able to just get a new one. So learn how to fix it and take care of it so it doesn't break in the first place. How many of our kids today, when something breaks, just, well, Dad, I need a new one, it broke. (laughs) Right? Let me say the principle again. Ask yourself the three questions. When something's broken, you may not be able to just replace it. So learn how to fix things and take care of them so they don't break in the first place. Can you see your grandmother telling you that? Your grandfather telling you that? Can you see the wisdom in the way that they thought? And can you see how our throwaway society has caused much of its own problems? And can you see how people that follow that principle today will be less affected by the pain that others are causing through their ignorance and through their foolishness. Folks, these are what drives the people in our community today, whether they can articulate it or not. Principle three. How about this one? Hard work should be respected, not avoided. Hard work should be respected, not avoided. Or another way of looking at it, there's something to be learned in a good, hard day's work. That man works hard, so I respect him. He's a great worker. I'm glad he's part of my group. I can depend on him to deliver every time. He comes through for the team. That principle is being lost in America today. The goal of the average graduate is to wave their degree like magic in front of somebody's face and get a job where they can spend half the day on MySpace checking emails, texting, and sending pictures. And unfortunately, unfortunately, there are some jobs out there where that's how people act every day. You won't work for me doing that. Not for more than a day anyway. But there are some jobs out there. But the graduate is finding that their degree isn't even valid as a hunting license for a job anymore. What people want today is experience because the good times are over for a while. The fat has been trimmed from the hogs. And we're down to meat only. And we're coming back to a point where you're going to have to work hard to get anywhere. My fear is that time will not last long enough for the new generation to learn from it. But we know when we look and we see people, and we see people making millions of dollars as lobbyists to get a congressman to vote a way that his constituents don't want him to, that he's not working hard, he's living off our money, one way or another. And we know that it's wrong. And we know that a lot of what we're seeing in our nation, in our capital, in our government, in wastefulness, in laziness, and apathy is wrong. And we still respect those that work hard. Ask the clear questions. Do you feel that way in your heart? Is it part of what's driving you? 
And would your grandfather say the same thing? (laughs) How about this one? This one might challenge you a little bit. You might have to think about it if you've never thought about this before. But I bet it's in you. To be dependent on a man is to be his slave. To be dependent upon any other man is to be his slave. This nation was founded on the concept of independence, not dependence. Our government is creating greater and greater dependence in every action that they're taking today. They want to nationalize the banking system, nationalize the electrical system, the energy system, nationalize oil, nationalize health care, nationalize retirement, nationalize the finance system, until everything even down to the way that the food is distributed, will be controlled by government and government regulations or the surrogates of government regulations through massive corporations that are protected by the government and allowed to do everything that they want. And that makes the American people dependent. You've become dependent on the distribution system and big agriculture for the food on your plate. You're dependent upon the government for your vaccinations for your children. You're dependent upon the government for a mortgage to buy a home. You're dependent on the bank, which will soon be owned by the government, to stay in your home by paying them for the mortgage. You're dependent on your local government, because if you don't pay them your property taxes, even if you pay for your house, they'll take it away from you. You're dependent on the government to educate your children. America has become a slave to the government, because to be, de- to be dependent upon anyone is to be enslaved by them. And even a benevolent, kind slave master is still a slave. And I am not giving up my birthright as an American to be any man's slave. Is that in your heart? Do you believe that? Can you feel it? Do you know it to be intrinsically true? Does a higher power tell you that that's true? Is there something in your immortal soul, in your human spirit, that says, that must be true. That is a fundamental of being a free human being. That I must not have dependence. It is okay to take help, and it is okay to give help, but dependence is wrong. Dependence is evil. Dependence begats slavery. When you're dependent, you make decisions that are wrong. And your children may be dependent upon you. They're born into your slavery. That may be hard to accept, but they are. And your job, from the time you first change a diaper till the day they drive away and start their own life, your entire job as a parent is to work yourself out of a job and free them from their dependence upon you. That's your dream, to have a strong young man or woman go out and build something for themselves and not be dependent upon you. Not because you're not willing to provide, because in your heart is a parent, as much as it'll hurt the day they walk out that door, you know that it's wrong and you know that they must live their own life. That's what you want from them. Unfortunately, today we are sending them into a world where they become dependent upon the systems around them. This is why you must write your own Declaration of Independence. More about that on Friday. But again, to be dependent on a man is to be his slave. Can you see your grandfather or your grandmother telling you this? (laughs) How about this one? Knowledge is priceless. 
It can never be taken from you and it should be valued. And you should pass it down. If you have a skill, if you have a knowledge, even if your children will go do something different with their lives, you should teach them the skill. Even if they find it boring at first, let them learn from you. Give them the skill. You never know when they're going to need it. If you're a mechanic, teach your children how a car works. If you're a carpenter, teach your children how to make a cabinet or how to frame. If you're a mathematician, teach your children how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. If you're an accountant, teach them how to deal with money. If you're a politician, teach them how to serve instead of how to rule. Can you see your grandmother telling you, knowledge is priceless. I want to pass what I know to you and I want you to pass it down to your children when you have them someday. Can you see your grandfather saying those things? Can you see how that concept drove society in 1915, 1925, 1935 during the heights of the Depression? Even though the government was screwing up, the people had not forgotten the reality of what made them free, what made them Americans, and what was really priceless and what really mattered. How about this one, folks? Honor dictates that we consider our children before we act. Your grandfather probably put this to you as, I always wanted a better life for you than I had. Or your parents probably put it to you that way. One thing I want is for you to have a better life than me. I want you to have more opportunities than I had. Honor dictates that we consider our children before we act. Is our government considering our children today when they're putting us on course to be $21 trillion in debt by 2020? When there isn't even $21 trillion in existence? And when there is, it will be bad for everybody and it will also be debt? Are we considering our children when we put off paying today so that they can pay for it tomorrow? Is that in your heart, in your soul? Do you know that's wrong? Even if you have no children personally, do you know? Do you know it's wrong for us to do this today and put it off on your neighbor's child for tomorrow? and for their grandchildren, and for subsequent generations. Do you know that it's wrong that we're, we're just giving away what made this country great? Independence, freedom, restrictions on government, not restrictions by government. Honor dictates, folks. Honor dictates that we consider our children before we act. In your house, when you want something, and it's going to take money from the family budget, if you, the, you parents that have children, do you look to your kids first and go, what do they have to give up if I do this? And sometimes you go, you know what, this is better for everybody and I'm going to do it. But usually you stop and think. Hopefully you stop and think. And when you go, this is not fair to my children, you put them first. Because you have honor. That used to be a fundamental of being an American. If you didn't have honor, we didn't want you. Do we see honor in our government today? Do we see respect for the people in our government today? Do we see honor that dictates that they look forward to future generations, or are they only looking forward to the next election? And the fact that that's what's going on, has that driven you to realize that something's wrong, and there's something you have to do about it in your lifetime? There's something you have to do it about it today for you and your family. 
If so, that might be part of why you listen to shows like this. That might be part of why you're part of our community, even if you've never heard it expressed that way. I'll bet you that most of these ten principles, I bet you that anybody listening to this today, seven of these ten or more principles are in your heart, and you really feel this way. If you don't, you've probably already turned the broadcast off. The next one. Enjoy the sunshine today, because it might rain tomorrow. Enjoy the sunshine today, because it might rain tomorrow. Your grandmother would have said, you better be prepared for a rainy day. And when you were eight years old eating cookies in her kitchen, you may not have realized what she was saying. But hopefully that seed was planted in your heart. And today you understand what it means. Just because the stock market is going up, 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 and your 401k balance is going up, 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 and you're getting raises and everything looks good and the economy's booming, doesn't mean that bad times like today won't show up. And you better prepare for them in good times so that you can weather them when it comes to bad times. Be ready for a rainy day. Save some of your money. Don't blow everything. Can you hear your former generations trying to tell you this through the ether of time right now? Stop. Listen. Listen. Just be silent a second and listen. Those generations are crying out to us. They've left us history. They've left it, left it written in books. They've left it in documentaries that have been done. They've left it in your heart and in your soul. It was written on you. And it's coming out of the mouths of people today that are standing up and going, this is wrong. This is where the tea parties are coming from. This is where the protests are coming from. This is where the campaign for liberty is coming from. This is where the movements towards state independence and state sovereignty are coming from. Those words are in you. And we can fix things if enough people will just stop and listen and hear the words. Enjoy the sun today because it might rain tomorrow. How about this one, folks? A man's word, or a woman's word, a man's word should be his bond. In other words, your grandfather would say, I do business on a handshake. And if a guy burns me, he burns me, and I don't do business with him ever again. Folks, we have had the Republicans break their word. Their word was not their bond. We have had the the Democrats break their word. Their word is not their bond. We need to stop doing business with them. And I know that sounds overly simplified, but it really isn't if enough Americans would wake up to what's being shouted at you from a hundred years ago. Common sense wisdom. Because your grandfather and your grandmother were survivalists. They just didn't call themselves that. They had their little backyard garden. They stored food in their cellar. They put money away for a rainy day. They probably had one or two gold coins as they hid when the gold was seized. And they kept it in a little jar somewhere. They said, this is mine, and they didn't take it away. They probably had a deer rifle and a shotgun. And they weren't afraid to use it to defend their house if they ever needed to. And they probably never had to, because their neighbors were people with honor too. And a man's word did mean something. It was his bond. And let me ask you again, in your heart, do you know that's the way it's supposed to be? That we should be able to take a man at his word until he proves otherwise. But once he proves otherwise, we should be done dealing with that man. 
You don't get to run my state anymore. You don't get to run my country anymore. You don't get to run my district anymore. You're supposed to be serving me. And when you look me in the eye and you lie to me, I am done with you. When a president gets on TV, looks the American people square in the eye, and says, there's not one ounce of waste in this $800 billion bill. There's not one piece of pork. There's not one earmark. Lies to your face. It's over. You've broken your word. Your word is not your bond. You do not work for me anymore. And that's how I feel about a lot of politicians right now. Not just our president. Plenty of them with ours and plenty of them with these. And it's not just about politics. It's about your neighbor. Your neighbor gives you his word on something. He comes through with it. You know you got a guy you can trust. And you better make your word be valuable to him. And you better instill this in your children. When you promise you're going to do something, you do it. You tell your friend you're going to come to his birthday party and you don't really feel like it the next day. You get off your butt, Johnny, and you go. Because your word is your bond. You promise your teacher you're going to make up a homework assignment because you didn't do it. You get it done. Because your word is your bond. You give me your word you weren't involved with what went on over there. You'd better be true so I can trust you. You're my own son. Your word is our bond. Someday you're going to need me to be at your back and help you out, kid. And if you always make your word your bond with me, I'm going to be there and I'm going to take care of it. And even when you're wrong, I'm going to help you get through with it as long as you're honest and you make your word your bond. Does this drive you? Does this make you who you are? Is this part of what you feel it means to be an American? Is this why you refuse to sit idle and do nothing and stick your head in the sand and you say, I must do something? Because we've lost that principle and I still believe it and I still live by it. Would your grandfather say, son, your word is your bond? Never let another man down. The only thing you have in this life that no one can ever take away from you except you is your name, so you protect it. I bet that's in you. Every time somebody questions you, are you smart? Should you be doing this? Are you wasting your time? Is this survivalism just a fringe weird thing? Are you different for thinking this way? Yes, you're different, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not funny. You're not silly. You're not crazy. You simply know that when a man puts his hand in your hand and shakes your hand and says, I give you my word, that that should be absolutely, positively sacred. And that a man that does it, and doesn't come through for you, you don't do business with again. Whether he's your neighbor, whether he is a person at work, a business partner, somebody you make a deal with, or whether he's a politician running your nation, your state, or your district. When you break your word, it's over. We're done. And I will give you the benefit of the doubt until you prove me otherwise. And when we do that, we find out who people really are very, very quickly. Does that sound like your grandfather? Was your grandfather crazy? How about number nine? A title doesn't make you a leader. A title doesn't make you a leader. Just because you got a promotion and you have people working for you doesn't make you a leader. Just because they called you sergeant in the army, sergeant didn't make you a leader. It was just a rank. 
Just because you're a husband doesn't make you the leader of your home unless you stand up and act. Just because you were elected into political office because of a slick marketing campaign doesn't make you a leader of people unless they submit themselves to you. You can only lead people who acknowledge your leadership. And they will only acknowledge your leadership if you demonstrate to them that they come before you. Only lead through servitude. It's a principle. Can you see your grandfather saying that? Son, if you want people to follow you, you have to put them first. The military teaches you this. If you were in the army, if you ever made sergeant, if you ever made squad leader, and you were out in the field, and it came time for a chow, did you eat first or did your squad eat first? Did you make sure that every member of your squad was fed before you ate a bite of food? You probably did. And if you did, your leadership was respected. Right there, that moment, on the battlefield, it is done. You're now a leader. They could have pinned the stripes on you six weeks ago. But until you take an action that shows your men that they come first, that you'll sacrifice for them, that you will act first, and you will never, ever disgrace them by not making a decision and leaning forward and standing by your word. And no title will ever replace that. Not husband, not wife. Not boss, not supervisor, not manager. Not senator, not congressman, not governor, not president, not judge. You don't get the lead until the people you're leading accept your leadership. And if you want to lead, you better do it with honor. And... It's a free, sovereign human being on the planet. You don't have to accept anybody's leadership unless they've earned it from you. Your grandmother would have said, folks, well, if he jumped off a bridge, would you have followed him off the bridge too? Remember that one? That's what they were telling you. They broke it down to your level because you were a kid. But what they were saying is you don't follow somebody just because of who they are, just because of their name. You follow a person because they've earned your respect. And you trust their leadership. And if they seem to be making a decision that's wrong, and you point it out, and they're hell-bent on doing it anyway, in your gut, when you know it's wrong, you have to move away from your leadership, and you have to say, no, I'm not following you there. This is wrong. What if we ran our government that way? What if we started running our companies that way? What if managers out there started to understand you don't get to lead your people until you earn their respect? Might be a different place. Is that in you? Is it driving you? Is it part of why you've separated yourself from what's considered normal today? Because you've realized what's normal is not normal. It's not what we should be doing. It's wrong. It has its own problems. It has its own mistakes. And that if you want to lead, you have to lead through action and sacrifice and servitude. Instead of leading through pompousness and arrogance and, oh, look at the letters at the end of my name. The final principle that I think is driving people into the survivalist community. Self-sufficiency model. The homestead model. Making them plant their own garden so they can feed themselves. Making them build their own projects so that they can do things for themselves. Everything from homemade solar panels and wind turbines, to solar ovens, to solar dehydrators, to taking an old boat and making it new again, to rebuilding a car, to rebuilding an engine, to teaching yourself a skill. 
Knowledge without application equals zero. Knowledge without application equals zero. Your grandfather exposed this principle to you when he said to you, that boy is book smart and street stupid. Remember that one? That boy is smart on paper, but on the street he's dumber than a box of rocks. I don't know what colloquialism your grandfather used, but I bet you used one. I bet you can remember one from your grandfather on one side or another, probably from your dad. Use your head for more than a hat rack. Remember that one? That's what they're saying. You can be smart. You can know tons of facts. You can have fancy degrees. But if you can't get things done, it doesn't matter. No one pays you to sit around and think. You're paid for what you do. That's the American way. What you know is not as important as what you do with the knowledge. And what are we seeing running our nation today? Smart people on paper that can't get things done the right way for the American people. That's what we're seeing. We're watching companies run into ground. We're watching the governments of our states being run into the ground. We're watching our states go into bankruptcy. We're watching incompetence. We're watching geniuses. Financial freaking geniuses. And if you put a test in front of me and in front of them, they'll beat me, folks. I'm a pretty smart guy, but I'm not as smart as these guys that have PhDs from Harvard in finance. When it comes to all the principles and all the theories and all the, all of all these other things. But yet, I know when you're in debt, you can't solve the problem by borrowing more money and spending more money. That all you'll get is more debt. I understand that. I can apply the principle. But for some reason, all these financial geniuses can't. There's no way that a person can be that intelligent, and if they were really doing the work, the real application, could think that, you know what, we can solve this problem by borrowing a couple trillion dollars more. What's the problem? Oh, we're $13 trillion in debt. I know. Let's put us $21 trillion in debt. Uh, but that would, you know, add a third to the debt, and then we're going to have to pay it. But, well, you know what we'll do? We'll spend the hell out of the money while we're borrowing it. So we won't create any reserves or anything. You know, you see, this is what I'm talking about. And how many people do you know that are book smart and street stupid? Smart on paper, but dumber than a box of rocks. And how many of them today have come into positions of false leadership in companies and in government? And it's something telling you it's wrong. And it's time to do something different. I think that it is. And I'm asking you again, of these ten principles I gave you today, how many of them are written in your heart? How many do you know to be true? How many are part of what's driving your decisions today? Because you know we've left what used to make sense and turned to what makes no sense at all. So, when you call yourself a survivalist, what are you really saying? To me, what we're really saying is as a survivalist, I take accountability for my own actions. And I don't want to be dependent on anybody else. And I won't follow the stupid. And I won't act like a fool when I'm holding on to something dangerous. And I'll take care of the people around me. And I'll take care of myself. And I'll help who I can. But I'm damn sure going to take care of my own first. I'm going to hold you accountable when you do business with me. And if you break your word, fine. I'm not doing business with you again. 
Is that crazy? Or is that the most rational damn thing we could be doing today? I won't, I won't borrow money when I'm broke. And I can't pay it back. And if I do have debt, I'm going to eliminate it. I'm going to save for tomorrow because as bad as today is, tomorrow could be worse. I don't want it to be worse, but it might be. And I, above all else, will accept the fact that I always have the option to do something and that what I do has a greater impact on my life than something anybody else does. That's what modern survivalism is really all about, folks. And I challenge you to use those principles in your daily life and use those principles when somebody asks you, so what's survivalism? Throw them a curveball, start a little bit somewhere else, and maybe this is a good show to share with people that aren't already part of our community. Maybe it could help grow the community, I don't know. With that, I'd like to uh, do our house cleaning here at the end. Uh, number one, member support brigade. Not going to say too much about it other than um, even though there's over 120 members, if you want to join, and I'm not going to even explain what it is today. I've talked about it enough. Uh, it's other than it's a way to support the show at $5 a month if you feel the show is worth that. Uh, there's still 15 spots on the foundational members wall that have yet to be claimed. Go look at the wall if you've already paid and asked to be put on the wall because I've processed every request that I have. And I don't want to keep emailing everybody in the members area over and over again about getting updated with me when most of them are. So there's still 15 spots on the wall. If you join today, I cannot guarantee a spot. There is no link. You have to send me an email and request a link if you want to join as a beta member. Today is absolutely the last day to join while the program is in beta, and we will not open it up till next week. Um, the next thing I want to remind you again on Friday, we're going to be giving away a free shoot at the Appleseed Project. Uh, Appleseed is a is a place you can go learn how to shoot uh, both small caliber and, and uh, medium caliber weapons at various ranges. Very well run. You'll learn a lot about being a true rifleman and a lot about the history of the American rifleman. Please make sure you use a link and go to the site and make sure that of the, on the schedule this year there's a shoot that you will be willing to go to and able to go to before you play on Friday to win that. Um, the next thing I want to point out that group threes get together in Birmingham has fallen apart. There's been not been enough participation. Only ten people came through and paid uh, paid their ten bucks, which was just a, a ridiculously low, small amount uh, for what was being put together. Uh, with only ten people, and I think Tim had like thirty vendors lined up. He decided to scratch it because he didn't think it was fair to the vendors. Group five has stepped up and is putting together uh, a, a shindig in uh, May. It's going to be somewhere probably around the Goldthwaite area. Uh, not completely locked down yet. Please go to the Group 5 uh, board, if you have any interest in coming down to Texas, meeting me and meeting other members, and learn about the shindig, and I'm going to be talking about that every show. Uh, the next thing I want to remind you, I haven't talked about this in a while, I am currently in a project with David Crawford, who wrote the novel Lights Out, which is a, a novel about uh, survivalism with a modern disaster scenario where the entire electrical grid is knocked out. I'll leave it at that. You can get a free audio preview on the website. Uh, just go to the survivalpodcast.com and uh, look for the uh, Lights Out link uh, in today's show notes, and you'll be able to uh, download the first two chapters of that. And uh, I'm going to have to get in touch with David today. I had a computer crash and lost a lot of documentation that he sent me, so I'm going to have to have him resend it. Uh, so that kind of uh, knocks all that out. Now, the next thing I want to let you know, if, you'd li- if you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, anywhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and you like gun shows, 
There's a gun show in Fort Worth this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I haven't decided on the date and the time yet. I will decide that today. In the Group 5 board again on the forum, there's a thread about it. I will post the date and the time I'll be there. And the area to meet me at, I'd love to meet some of you. Just walk the gun show with you. Take a look at what's out there. Shoot the breeze. So I'm going to be at Fort Worth at the Will Rogers Center probably on Sunday uh, because it looks like it's going to uh, to rain more Sunday than Saturday. So I'll give me freedom to shoot video on Saturday. So the gun show, Fort Worth, Real Rogers Center, come meet me and maybe some other survival podcast members. Then the last thing I want to do is my salute of the week this week. And it goes out to a Texan. 65-year-old Val Renfro that somewhere here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area was getting into her car when a large man grabbed her purse and ran away. She chased him down in the car, was screaming at him while she was on phone with 911, give me back my purse, and I think she used the F word and they bleeped it out. And it sounded pretty cool. Well, he kept running, and the police weren't getting there fast enough for Val, so she hit him with the car. She knocked him down. Now, she said she just bumped him. She didn't want to kill him. Well, that slowed him down. He hit the ground, but he got up and started running again. So she stayed on him with the car. She chased him into a movie theater parking lot, and she was screaming at him, he's got my purse, he's got my purse. Well, a bunch of good Samaritans realized what was going on, corralled the guy, tackled him, and held him down until the police got there. They gave Val her purse back, and uh, my salute of the week to Val Renfro, because you know what? It was dangerous, but she said, the hell with this. No, you won't take what belongs to me. I'm taking it back. I will act for myself. And that's what I've been talking about today, uh, folks. So salute of the week out to Val Renfro. So, again, I just want to wrap up today now with those ten principles, folks. Think about them. Think about how they're driving what you're doing, even when you don't think about them. Because I promise you, those prior generations that knew the value of a hard day's work, that knew the value of a promise, that knew the value of honor, respect, and dignity, and that knew the value of knowledge, they're speaking to you. They're speaking to you right now across a hundred years and what they're saying is listen listen because you know the truth when you hear it this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't you can scream and you can holler it really doesn't matter Get spent